When I heard that I was going to be preaching behind plexiglass this morning, my mind kind of started to wander thinking about songs and movies. I started thinking about Roy Rogers, the song Don't Fence Me In. I thought about the, the famous line in uh, Dirty Dancing, Nobody Puts Baby in a Corner. I thought about the, the cinematic genius of Bubble Boy. And then I started to think about, when I really realized what this was going to look like, I started to think about all the political dramas that Monica and I like to watch. The West Wing, we just finished that. Bartlett for president. I started to think about Madam Secretary and Designated Survivor and uh, all of these different shows and how this kind of looks like one of those teleprompters. And that, that would really be helpful. I think we're all kind of familiar with those teleprompters, aren't we? We see press conferences all the time. And if you're anything anything like me, the press conferences are so confusing. They're so confusing, and the news that we get is so confusing because there's so much political news, there's so much medical news, there is so much economic news, and it's hard to make sense of what is fact and what is fiction. It's hard to know what to believe, especially if you're like me, where you have friends and family that you love and you care about, and you respect that hold very different views, very different opinions. And some of your friends and family think that this news source is very credible. And some of your friends and family think this news source is very credible. And some of your friends and family send you links to this website to read this. And some of your friends and family send you links to read statistics and news from this website. It's really, really hard to know what is true. Anybody else experience that? Is it just me? I think it's something that a lot of us deal with. We live in a world today where what is true oftentimes is not as valued as what will help further my agenda. We live in a world today where where truth is not as valued as much as what will further my cause. We're not or we're in a world today where truth is not as valued as much as cultural or societal opinions or norms. We live in a day and age when we are regularly provided with information that very easily can lead us astray. Information that can lead us away from the truth. The reality is, though, that this isn't a new problem, is it? This is something that from the very, 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 very beginning... We see in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent coming to Adam and Eve with misinformation, with bad information, with lies that are so easily adopted because we want to believe these things. We want to take this information, and it sounds good, and yet it takes us away from the truth. And we live in a world today where this continues to happen. We see misinformation throughout the course of history, sometimes intentionally, to cover things up, sometimes unintentionally by sharing a a website link to a site that's not reputable. But misinformation and incorrect teaching has been an ongoing battle. And the problem is misinformation takes us away from what is true. And we see this in our text today. And so I invite you this morning to stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word, We will be reading from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 8 through 16. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. 
It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. The word of the Lord. Last week we looked at verse 7. We focused in primarily on this verse and the final two uh, verses of this chapter that conclude after the passage that we're looking at today. And it was this encouragement to remember those who have gone before in the faith, those who have been leaders in the faith, those who have ministered and taught, those who have been faithful to the word of God, those who have been pillars of faith, and those that have been teachers of truth. And this was an important encouragement for the readers of this letter, but it's also a great encouragement for today, isn't it? As Pastor Pete pointed out, the legacy of MVC is very rich. We have a rich legacy of faith. Pastor David ministered and taught here for 35 years, sharing the truth of the gospel. Many, many men and women have served as elders and deacons and trustees and mission council members, have volunteered in children's ministry and youth ministry, have served as small group leaders. We have a rich legacy here of speaking, teaching, and preaching the truth. That is what MVC has been about from the very inception of this church, and it's what it's about today. And so when we look at verse 8, it can seem like a bit of an odd transition after verse 7, but in fact, it serves as an essential transition, pointing us to truth, and providing us a lens or a filter, if you will, that all other teaching might be filtered through, that we can evaluate whether or not it is in fact truth. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, Jesus is not only addressed by name in this passage. Right here we see that he is also addressed by his office, if you will. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Anointed One. Jesus the Messiah. In this passage, we are getting an understanding of who Jesus is. He is the one who is prophesied about. This is not just some man that just showed up on the scene. He is the one that, as we look out throughout the course of the Old Testament, we see this anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. And here the reader of this letter is reminded of a foundational truth about the characteristics of Jesus, the Messiah. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus isn't like hairstyles. Jesus is not like color trends. He is not like architectural styles. He does not change. John 1 reminds us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word at the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus is still with us today, the same Jesus, the Messiah that was anticipated. 
But this is not just a foundational truth about his character. It is also a foundational truth about the gospel message itself. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it is with confidence that we can count on the steadfast nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ itself. Because he does not change, the gospel does not change. The message of the gospel is what the teachers in verse 7 were teaching. However, there were new teachers that were teaching things that were strange. Strange things, as it were, were being taught. And the writer of Hebrews points out that this teaching was taking place and it was leading people away from the truth. Verses 9 and 10. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Here we have people who were led astray, who were taught by teachers initially of the truth, but now they're getting this other teaching and it is leading them down the wrong road. So what exactly were these strange teachings? What was being taught that was leading people away from the truth? The author of Hebrews seems to indicate that there are a variety of teachings that were leading people astray. The Greek actually used here for all kinds literally means many colored. There's a variety. There's diversity. There are a variety of different things that are being taught that are leading people astray. But there's a focus specifically put here on those who are teaching that ceremonial foods have the same impact and effect on a person's heart as the grace of God. We essentially have teachers that are trying to uh, reimpose the ritual rules and regulations of the old covenant on Christian believers. And we know that these rules were important. This is, this is important. The old covenant was an important covenant. It was made for a purpose. And animal sacrifices were important. Dietary rules and restrictions were important in their time and place. However, they were not the way in which salvation was to be accomplished. Salvation was not going to be accomplished through these rules and restrictions around what people eat, around sacrifices. It was not by the shed blood of an animal that salvation was to be accomplished. It was by the shed blood of the Lamb of God. While this isn't a perfect analogy, I think a lot of you can relate to this. When you turn on the television, or when you go online, or when you turn on the radio, I imagine that on a fairly regular basis, you hear ads for self-help programs, or books, or websites. There are so many tools out there, right, that people are, are promoting, that are claiming to really help you grow, that that are resources that claim to be the end-all, be-all. Resources that claim to have all the answers. Resources that will solve this problem or that. And let's be honest, some of these truly are strange teachings. On the other hand, they are not necessarily all strange, and in fact, they might be helpful to a degree. But they can't truly solve the problem that, that, that they are trying to address. Or they point in a direction that may seem helpful or positive, but it isn't consistent with the teaching of Scripture. Unfortunately, this even happens at times with books that are said to be Christian in nature or by Christian authors. And so we have to be careful the sources that we go to. We have to be careful who it is that we listen to 
who it is that teaches us, who it is that we absorb content and information from. Here we have teachers that are drawing the attention of believers away from the timeless, eternal source of hope, grace, and ultimately salvation by refocusing them on aspects of the Old Covenant. Aspects that just aren't going to give them the results that they're looking for, so to speak. This isn't the only place in Scripture where we see this thing take place, where Old Covenant ritual requirements are encouraged on Christian believers. We see it in Galatians when the Judaizers are trying to impose circumcision on Gentile believers. However, in light of Christ's atoning death on the cross, we now operate under a new and better covenant. You can read all the self-help books you want, but at the end of the day, they aren't going to transform your life the same way that Scripture will. You can can follow all the rules that you want to follow, but at the end of the day, they won't transform your life the way Christ's death and resurrection will. Under the old covenant, priests were allowed to eat portions of certain offerings. However, on the day of atonement, when the, the Israelites would confess their sins and offer sin offerings as sacrifice, the sacrifice was then taken outside of the camp and it was burned, and no one would partake in it. Even the priest was unable to partake in this. They weren't able to come to the table, so to speak. But this isn't true of the new covenant. Those sins that we have have been forgiven. Christ took them upon himself. And in a manner of speaking, we are able to eat from Christ's altar because he extended an invitation to the table. He has invited us to the table as a result of his work on the altar of the cross. Verses 11 through 14 speak to this. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We've talked a lot about this this city that is to come. Zion, this new Jerusalem. I love the beauty of the symmetry in these first two verses. We see this sacrifice of an animal, its blood shed, its body being burned outside of the camp. And then in verse 12, we see Jesus. He is taken outside of Jerusalem and he is sacrificed outside of this community. We see this parallel being made between sin offerings of the Old Covenant, as we see in Leviticus, and and Christ's sacrifice, which not only fulfills the Old Covenant, but ushers in a new and better covenant. The sacrifices of the Old Covenant are a preview of things to come. Saints of the Old Covenant were looking forward to the Messiah coming. It was something that they were waiting for with anticipation. It was something that they had faith in. But here, both now in our text and here in our lives today, the Messiah has come. We are no longer waiting for the Messiah to come and be that sacrificial lamb. He has been that for us. Christ's altar is the final atonement altar. This is what the teachers in verse 7 had been teaching. It was the truth. They had been teaching that Christ is the only way, that it is only through Christ that our hearts can be strengthened. 
You see, it was God's plan for Jesus to come to earth. It was Jesus' plan for him to leave the city walls of Jerusalem to experience death as not a way for atonement, but the way for atonement. Atonement for the unclean and unholy. Jesus demonstrated that holiness is not contingent upon a location, but on receiving Christ. It's not about physical temples or tabernacles or cities. He finds us in the wilderness and asks us to leave behind our unclean past and trust in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. To trust in Jesus, who, as it says in John 14, 6, is the way, the truth, and the life. To trust that God will graciously transform our hearts, not by our works, but by Christ's work on the atoning altar of the cross. This is noteworthy. This is something to tell your friends about. This is something to shout from the rooftops. This is something to raise a hallelujah about. And verses 15 through 16 remind us of this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Because of Christ's work in our lives, not our work in our lives. Because of God's grace, not the rituals and rites of culture and tradition. Because of God's love for us, not our own self-righteousness, we offer a sacrifice of praise. It reminds me of that song. It is what we're doing today as well. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. That is why we are here this morning. This is the fruit of the lips of those who profess his name. Those who profess Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life. Psalm 119.14 is probably a familiar verse to many of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. I love the message paraphrase of this, especially in light of of what we're talking about today. It says, these are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray. Accept them when I place them on the morning altar, O God. My altar rock, God, priest of my altar. So fitting. Those who profess his name will verbally express praise, but they will bear fruit in good works as well as an offering to the Lord. We're reminded in in James 2 that faith without works is dead. If we have a faith in Jesus Christ, if we trust in Jesus Christ, it will bear itself out in the works that we do. And this too will be pleasing to the Lord. You and I live in a world today that is filled with all kinds of mixed messages. A world filled with tips and tricks and tools to live a better life. However, we are to look to those men and women of faith who have taught the truth of Scripture, that have been faithful through the years, that have led the way, that have been faithful to the truth of the gospel, the truth that is found in the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the truth that is found in Christ himself. Like the recipients of the letter of the letter of Hebrews, there are many strange teachings circulating in our world today, and it is so easy to allow them to lead you astray. 
It is easy to follow what sounds culturally acceptable or familiar or perhaps even just easy. However, as followers of Christ, we can't afford to be carried away by such things. We can't afford to allow that to happen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is truth. He is truth. And he has not and he will not change. And this is great news. The steadfast, constant nature of Christ And the gospel is something that we can rely on. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This means his love is the same. This means his compassion is the same. This means his forgiveness is the same. This means his grace is the same. This means that no matter where you are in life, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you have done or left undone, no matter who you have wronged or who has wronged you, God is still love. Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. And you don't have to try and work or buy, earn, or follow any other strange teachings to experience God's forgiveness because the atoning work for your sins has already taken place on a hill outside of Jerusalem. Sing praises to God, hallelujah, and amen. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not go back on his promise. He will not stop loving you. He will not take his grace or forgiveness away. It is done. That is the truth of the gospel. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That is the beautiful truth of Scripture. That is what we cling to. That is what our forefathers and foremothers have taught in this church for years. It is what we will continue to to teach Because it is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It is the good news. It is the gospel, and it is who Jesus is. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you do not change. You were the word at the beginning. You were the atoning sacrifice on the cross. You are the one that walks with us through pandemic. You are the one that we will see when we meet in heaven. Your love does not fail. Your grace does not run out. Your forgiveness is for us who are broken and hurting We are so thankful, Lord, for your your love and your grace. And even in strange times like this, Lord, we know that we can cling to you because you are faithful and you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you. Amen.